Hi, everyone. This is Matthew from Survivor Now Podcast. Today, I am talking to Nathan, the 13th castaway eliminated from Survivor UK, sixth place overall, and as uh, we always like to say, fifth runner up. Nathan, how are you doing today? Absolutely fantastic. Really good. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be talking to you, but not happy to be talking to you this early. If you've been watching Survivor Now podcast, you may know that myself and Randy, we've been big fans of yours. So just let's talk about the actual airing of the episode. Are you all caught up? Yeah, yeah. All up to speed. All right, perfect. How does it feel having seen your entire story play out? Uh, it's good to get the full context because there were certain parts that you just had gaps to. And, um, and so really only yesterday was the first time that I'd completed that jigsaw of how I ended up where I ended up and all of what went into that journey. So um, yeah, it's been enlightening, for sure. Well, there's, there's a couple of things I definitely want to get your reaction to, especially having seen them play out, like you said, in the episodes, maybe some stuff you didn't see while you were actually experiencing it firsthand. But let's start from the very beginning. One of the first moments that we see of you on camera is when Joel actually makes a reference to your physical build. So I want to know, were you concerned at all about being perceived as a physical threat going into the game? Yeah, I, I, I always knew that my physicality would represent a double-edged sword. And from watching previous seasons, I know that the physical person tends to yeah, have a target on their back. Um, and rightly or wrongly, it's almost it's synonymous with being a challenge beast and whether or not that is the case. So um, I knew that that would present some challenges at some point. But I also knew that in the early days, people would want that physical strength in their tribe. So um, it was just about how I navigated and managed that, I guess. Well, I'm sure your tribe was happy to see you go up against Doug a couple of times throughout the season. We have some great, memorable moments of one-on-ones and head-to-heads between you and Doug. I was, I was curious to know, did you ever want to try to use those moments as a way to paint Doug as a bigger target? Um, not specifically, to be fair. But I think he definitely, it definitely came in into the thinking when Doug eventually went, that was definitely part of what went into my thought process, uh, certainly. Um, and, but at that stage, you're so far away from the finish line, you couldn't really, you can't really be thinking about anyone else apart from in your, you're just trying to make it through another, another day, really, every day as it comes. But certainly when it got to post-merge, um, I definitely wanted Doug to be going before me because the physical challenges, he was going to be my biggest or nemesis. So, Do you have a favorite time that the two of you went up against each other? Uh, I, I, I mean, I've lost both the times that we went up against each other, but um, I probably enjoyed the, the ball in the sand challenge like quite a bit. That was quite a, that was our first sort of a battle, I guess. And um you know, it lasted a lot longer than the one that we did on the pontoon. Um, so that was quite enjoyable. And, you know, we both gave it everything. I think that he had a slight advantage in getting to the ball first, but the rest is history. I was going to say that one really sticks out in my mind as the ultimate uh, challenge that I'm going to remember from the season, the back slam, the everything. How's your back doing? That's all good. That was all good. good. <laughs> I think that was also my first sort of, taste or insight into like how big and strong like Doug was um and how much aggression he he had 
So I'd probably underestimated the levels of aggression because you needed to be quite, you know, determined and aggressive in that in that in that battle. And he, he definitely had that in the in 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 buckets. So um it made me appreciate that. Yeah, I'm gonna need to give this guy a bit more credit than I've had given him. One thing I noticed with you, Nathan, is that you never really underestimated the strengths of others. I actually, I really enjoyed listening to how you talked about strength and how you recognized other people's uh, personal strengths and individual strengths throughout the game. I mean, one of my favorite moments was watching you in that very first immunity challenge and how you were there to support your tribe. And I guess it got me wondering, did you get the sense that your profession as a fitness instructor, did you get the sense that that was sneaking its way into the game? Um, I mean, I do a lot of work on diversity and inclusion, like generally, so my other lines of work. And so I've, I've always recognized that strength doesn't look the same um, in different people. And, you know, certainly in the game of Survivor, when the challenges are so varied, that my strength today is going to be my weakness tomorrow and vice versa. So um, I, I knew I could appreciate that at some point I'm going to need a favour from someone else because, again, I'm not great at swimming. And so at some point there's going to be a swimming challenge and I'm going to need someone to back me the way I'm backing them in this challenge that suits me. So, um, so I, I'm not sure whether... Uh, I, I think it's probably just... a. a a combination of all of my experiences in life that I've kind of played into how I came across, I guess. Um, sometimes I'll do more of the fitness stuff, sometimes it'll be more my other lines of work. Well, I also really love the relationship that you formed with Tanuke. Uh, now, I would love to know, how did your gameplay have to adapt when Tanuke ended up being swapped to Lenena? Yeah, so essentially the whole strategy and the whole plan just flipped on its head overnight because it felt that we had a we had a very clear path towards the merge um, at that point. Then the tribe swap happened and that path was no longer as clear, but still somewhat clear in that we had Kalaton strength. And then, we, you know, there was two, two I guess, two contingency votes, I guess, um, in Doug and Pegleg. And then I guess when Shai and Lawrence decided to vote for Jess, then that really changed the game. And so, so then had to really rethink. And there was only really one option there um, with working with Doug and Pegleg. Um, and so all my eggs were kind of in that one basket, but that was the only really way, real way to kind of make it through to the merge. So yeah, definitely had to think on my feet, but there wasn't really options because I wasn't going to work with Shai and, and Lawrence. It just wasn't going to happen. So um but I, I obviously managed to just about make them think that I was going to work with them. But even then, Shia and Lawrence probably thought, well, he might not believe what I'm saying to him, but what can he do? But I'd already obviously done my groundwork with, with Doug and Pegleg already. I'm glad you sort of brought up this moment of the game for you, because as a viewer, this really felt like the first time I ever saw your game get a little bit turbulent and mm. unpredictable yeah. uh what would you say changed between how you your outlook on the game between jess's blind side and then working with doug and peg leg to blindside shy did you see the game in a different way uh not really i i think i'd expected this type of play to come out like it's a it's a, 
oh, it's, it's inevitable. Um, but I perhaps hadn't expected it to come out so soon. Uh, and and maybe that was naive of me, but I expected this sort of play to come out after the merge. At this stage, like that move was, for me, in my opinion, was a bit premature because it kind of, you know, put the cat amongst the pigeons and then it just, and because ultimately Lawrence, I mean, Shai and Lawrence probably would have still, both would have made it to the merge had they stuck to the game plan. Um, but they wanted to do something different, which you're going to have to do at some point. But doing it at that point meant that the target then turned and then the target was then on. And it's only fortunate for Lawrence that we went to the merge at the next, at the next challenge. Otherwise he would have been next. And so for me, they, they disrupted or dis what would have been a clear path to the merge that, yeah, only one of them made it to, I guess. And, and that also, path would be, oh yeah. And also if then with Lawrence, then he's now burnt his relationship with me. And so even post-merge, he's going to have to ride all of that right until as far as he kind of got to. Um, so it just, it was a, it was a, it was a big move that happened very too early, way too early in my opinion. And the path that you were hoping to take would be to eliminate Pegleg and Doug. Yeah. Well, you're right. That did not end up happening. Shy did go home. Lawrence would have been next, but you all made it to the merge. But you experienced another blindside during the merge, and that was the blindside of Tanuke. So Lawrence did inform Tanuke that she would be receiving votes. Were you also made aware that Tanuke would receive votes? Yeah, Tanuke told me and said that she feels worried because something Lawrence had just said to her. And I, and I didn't really pay it too much attention. I was like, mm, like, like why would they do that? Because there had been there had been nothing that I'd sort of heard and that I'd come across. So I was just like, the only the only inkling that I had was um, Pegleg was doing like some carving for Doug, like he was writing on his uh, on the tackle box, and it almost made me think that. Well, this guy is still thinking about Doug and his relationship with Doug. So he's kind of holding on to something there that, that feels like that's a, a man scorned and a man scorned, you know, can do some dangerous stuff. So that was the only inkling that I had because Tanuke and Hannah had the relationship and, you know, she was, she would talk quite highly of that relationship. I had a relationship with Hannah um, and, you know, we, we, we connected on, you know, this people of color um, aspect and so therefore and we were talking we were all from london as well so we were connected on that and it's like well actually this feels like a a real relationship or a real, a real friendship um but ultimately hannah was using that to to kind of i guess win us over and was playing the game oh interesting and also we have to also talk about matthew too who also was responsible for tanuke being blindsided as well the working relationship with Matthew there, there was no way you thought that he was going to flip on you, right? Yeah, absolutely no way. Like, and that again, we're probably going back to when I'd always at some point I knew things would need to change and someone would have to, if they really wanted to win, they would have to do something a bit different, a bit off piece and a bit um ruthless. And so for me, it wasn't a matter of 
if it was put more when and i just mm -hmm. felt that the when move for tanuke was very early um because i think we were just kind of like trying to get through to, as far into the game as we could and i guess it was at day 28 at that point day 28 day 27 um so there's not much left in the game um but i guess Matty thought he had a different vision for how that last week was going to go. Um, and again, you know, based on what he information he had, he had to make a decision. He's his own person, um, which he did. Yes, he did. Now, you were also very vocal about the fact that you, Tanuke, and Matthew, that was your ideal final three. Yeah. Were, did, were the three of you very uh, vocal uh, and... Um, did you all find opportunities to meet up at camp to continue the discussion, continue the uh, positive thinking towards the final three with yeah. all of you at the end? Absolutely. And we would be quite strategic in how we do that as well. So we might do it in twos. So I might catch up with Tanuke, Tanuke with Matty, and then I would do it with Matty. And so we would always do it in sort of quite, and like very early morning before anyone woke up or very late at night when no one doesn't know where you are. Um, so we were very strategic in how we done it, but we would always, all, always, that like, reinforce that that vision and, you know, how we saw the last, um, you know, the last few days playing out. So, yeah, but I guess only two of us was really like bought into, bought into that vision, and and that was me and Tanuke. We also have to talk about, I, I, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts. What is your reaction, Nathan, to all of the series of events that led up to you being the one to get the idol out of the lobster cage? Oh. <laughs> so the funniest thing is, I didn't actually know how that lobster cage happened to be open. Like I, Until the episodes just, just passed, I didn't know why it was open. So then to see that actually Chris and Matty had found the key left it open i was like oh my gosh so i guess so what happened was got back from tribal council i'm sorry got back from the immunity challenge didn't win so that like, well if i don't find this key or this idol um then i'm going home tonight like it's pretty pretty clear so i was quite vocal in saying i'm going to look for this key this immunity idol and obviously no one else really was that bothered and i didn't really i was like this is this is, this is interesting um so then I went, and no one, no one followed me, nothing or anything like that. So I was just like, I was looking among the caves, looking for ages, and then it just took me further and further up the beach until I was practically at the the lobster trap. So then I thought, well, let me just check around the lobster trap. Um, lifted it up as you saw, and then I just looked down, and the clasp was open, and I was like, Are you kidding me? At first, I thought somebody's taken it. It's, like, it's gone. I was like, Oh man, missed it. How did they get it? When did they get it? Right. And then when I opened it and it was still there, I said, could not believe my luck. Could not <laughs> believe my luck. Um, but then what happened was on the way back down the camp to the beach, down towards the camp, uh, Lawrence and Hannah were walking up towards me. And so there's nothing up that side of the beach apart from where this lobster trap was. So I'm going to be walking back. And they're going to say, oh, did you find anything? Oh, no, I didn't find anything. They're going to get to the lobster trap. Idol's not there. Oh, right. I wonder who's got the idol. There's not many of us left now. So there's seven of us. Everyone else is at the camp. I'm the only one up there. They're going to find out that it was me. So I thought, let me try and um, 
be quite bullish with my what I'm going to do here and try and work with them, try to be in on the on the strategy, on the plan, and almost just throw the cat amongst the pigeons to try and, oh, should we vote for him? Should we not vote for him? Should we vote for him? Should we not vote for him? Um, and so I was quite, quite abrasive at, at tribal council, quite provocative uh, intentionally to try and see who's going to vote for me as well, because I'd rather have my enemies in plain sight um, as well. Uh, so yeah, the, the whole, I needed that immunity idol and, and you know, luck, fate, I mean, survivor gods uh, provided it. But um, yeah, it was definitely a, a welcomed exercise for sure. Was there any speculation amongst the tribe of who may have opened it or was it just sort of accepted that it was left open? I mean, I mean, Matty and Chris would have known, but as far as I was aware, no one, no, there was no talk as to like what happened. I just said it was open and that was it. That like no one really questioned it. I mean, it didn't really matter, I guess, because at the end of the day, I had the immunity idol and that was that. But it's absolutely hilarious that um, that's how it, that's what, well, that was the events that led to it being open. Oh yeah, it's it's probably my favorite moment of the season thus far. <laughs> going into tribal council, I really thought that you were going to place a vote on Matthew. When did you decide to vote for Lawrence? So I I, I still had a bit of a sour taste in my mouth from when Lawrence voted against me pre-merge, uh, and I probably would have seen him go earlier than even earlier than Doug, perhaps even earlier than uh, Ashley, maybe. Um, but T, he, it made more sense to keep him around strategically because T, Tanuka had a relationship with him. He kind of didn't really have any other allies. So from a numbers perspective, it made sense to keep him around till, till later on. Um, I, I guess Matty, I was still somewhat hoping that I could uh, leverage him to some extent. Um, and that's why, you know, you I don't know if they sh this made it to the edit, but... I had a conversation with him where, so I obviously said to Lawrence and Hannah that I, my vote would either go on Lawrence or Matty. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw Matty, because Lawrence had told Matty that I'm voting for him, didn't tell him that I was also going to vote, might vote for Lawrence. He just said, I'm, Nathan's voting for you, Matty. So Matty came to me and said, Nathan, I heard you're voting for me. And now I said, what I actually said was my vote would either go on you or Lawrence. And then he was like, but I said, I'm gonna probably gonna vote for Lawrence, um, and the reason for that is because I, I still somewhat thought I could might be able to work with Matty uh, at some point, um, and so uh, so I, I went for Lawrence. The only I guess question mark was whether or not I played the idol that night or not. Right. But I'd I'd played quite a bullish game up to that point. Always been quite direct with. I'm going to vote for when I'm going to vote for them, and, and until I did until I couldn't be, and so with Doug, Shy, and Rachel, I couldn't be direct about who I'm going to vote for because it was you know gave it away. But in all my other votes, I was kind of like, well, I'm voting for you, I'm voting for you, I'm voting because there's nothing you can do about it. This is who I'm going to vote for. So I wanted to be like direct so that when I do vote for someone else, they just don't see it coming. Um, and I guess, so I said I'm going to vote for Lawrence, voted for Lawrence. 
And so when I go to my next boat for my next round, and I say, if I say to Doug and Han, oh, sorry, Pegleg and Hannah and Matty that I'm voting for this person, it's like, well, we're going to believe that. Why wouldn't we believe that? Because he's always done what he said he's going to do. Um, and so when I said I'm going to vote for Chris, I guess it was 50-50 as to whether they wanted to vote for Chris or not. Um, and if I was them, I probably would have voted for me too. Um, and I know that some people are surprised, but I, I, I probably wasn't because if you look at the jury, Chris hasn't got many friends, if any, on, on the jury. So if, if he does, if they take him to the final, then actually they got a better chance of winning than if they took me to the final where I've got even Doug, they, they knew that, you know, we ended on like good terms. We both spoke quite highly of each other. Doug, Lee, um, Ashley, I, I, I probably, I still had, you know, at an UK, I still got lots of people that would perhaps vote for me over them. So it makes sense if, if winning's the kind of what you want there at that point, then yeah, it would make sense to vote to take Chris. Yeah, that jury management is important. And it, as you said, it looked like you had a lot of good connections and good feelings towards the people on the jury and vice versa. Um, Nathan, I mean, I'm so happy I got to talk to you today. This, your experience on Survivor, you got to see the game from like many different perspectives. You were in control at some points. You were blindsided at some points. You were working your way from the bottom. You had to find an idol. You played an idol. You kind of got the full Survivor gameplay experience. Which part of your Survivor journey are you the most proud of? Probably uh, the shy. Probably the shy vote, to be honest. Because I was, as you said, I was probably bottom of the of the rut at that point. And... That was a real low, low moment. It was the, it was the day when we got the letters from our kids or from our loved ones, and um, and you know I could have quite easily just kind of give, given up and said, "Actually, this, this is this is it." Sort of thing. This is my days are numbered here. I've got um, just been blindsided, and I've got no allies here. But you know, made it out of that one, made it to the merge, and then um, I guess winning the the challenge with Doug as well, because again we'd gone head to head against each other a few challenges and then to win win that one together was quite a nice moment play again absolutely in a heartbeat yeah for sure absolutely in a heartbeat like, that's what we like to hear yeah. nathan thank you so much for joining us and for allowing us to interview you congratulations on the season thank you so much and thank i hope you. to talk to you soon that's having me see you later